Well, welcome back to the Emergency Goalies. We uh, took a couple months off when the Blackhawks went into the offseason, but training camp is going. There's preseason games. So uh, we are back. And there's been a fair amount of news. I mean, obviously, the first thing we can get into is that the Blackhawks owner, Rocky Wirtz, passed away this summer and his son Peter has taken over as principal owner. And I guess I'll just ask you, Mike, um, what do we learn from this? I mean, it had seemed pretty clear over the last year that uh, Peter had pretty much been running things anyway from what it sounds like. Um, I'm sure Rocky still had had some input and in everything, but I think basically um, after the scandal from a couple of years ago and then the disastrous um, press conference with Rocky. Um, I get the impression that uh, it was pretty much uh, Peter. And then um, I'm drawing a blank on her name, uh, Jennifer something. Like Faulkner? Faulkner. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, I get the impression that the two of them, um, have pretty much been running things for a while. So I really don't expect much to change. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we still don't know a lot about Peter. Um, he seems to be a little more personable than his father and grandfather. <laughs> um, so that's at least good. Um, you know, you, you hope to avoid some of the uh, PR issues um, yeah. that we had previously, but um yeah, I mean, until until a uh, stressful, um, difficult to navigate situation comes up, we just it's hard to know about ownership. So, yep, yeah. So I just said we touch on that first, and then obviously I don't know if there, were there any off season moves after we talked last that I don't think so. Um, at least nothing major. I mean, I think we touched on the, the the trades for the veterans and obviously the the drafting of Bedard. So I mean that all kind of happened pretty pretty early in the offseason and uh Ox didn't didn't really make any moves late and at least so far through training camp they haven't claimed anybody on waivers. So um for the time being we're we're kind of with the same roster that we we had a couple of months back. Mm-hmm. So now we've had some camp and a couple of preseason games. So we've seen Connor Bedard on the ice in the Blackhawks uniform. And I mean, you really can't tell much from preseason, but what have your thoughts so far? I mean, he looks exactly as, as uh, advertised um, and expected. Uh, he's been dangerous in all three games. Uh, he did get held scoreless in his second of three um, preseason games. But uh, even in that game, he had several high quality chances and made a couple of good passes on top of it. And in the other two games, he's had multiple points in each game. So yeah, uh, the, the puck hasn't been going in for him so far, but it's not due to a lack of chances. So yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, he's, he's, he's looked very good. Good for truly, a truly remarkable development is I actually watch part of preseason games, which I ah. do just to see the dark. There you go. 
Yeah, I, I want to say I did see a note somewhere that that first preseason game with Bedard was the Hawks' highest rated preseason game in like over 10 years. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's going back to the to the first cup year. So that's that speaks to his the impact that he's had um, on uh, the Blackhawks' cultural impact in Chicago. So, yeah, and you just—I mean, there's a long-standing belief of mine that you cannot tell anything from hockey preseason. It's just—it's—it's very—you like, just don't give full effort. It's just. It's not yeah, I, there's definitely veterans that are playing not to get hurt, and you have wildly different um, skill levels between opponents generally. Uh, it, it's in some regard very similar to uh, spring training in baseball, where yeah, the traveling the, the traveling team does not bring their main veterans generally. Yeah. So, like I. I, I think the last two games uh, that have been played against the Red Wings are a very good case in point. Uh, the Blackhawks got absolutely blown out when they went to Detroit. And it's not surprising given the roster that they brought with them. It, they did have about half of the lineup was guys that are expected to make the Hawks, but it was, all of the young defensemen. I mean, Jones wasn't there. Murphy wasn't there. And, you know, a couple, you know, Hall didn't go, you know, not, uh, Felino and Perry didn't go. So, you know, a lot of the veteran guys that you would expect to kind of keep things together and stabilize things weren't there. And the Blackhawks got blown out. All those guys played last night when Detroit came to Chicago and Detroit brought a, a lesser roster than what they had played with at home. And the Blackhawks won. So, yeah, it's the the preseason um, results don't tell you much. But I do think uh, the one thing that it's helpful with is is getting a look at the yeah. comfort level that some of the rookies and young, young players have. And I, I think that's what I'm going to take most out of the preseason is Bedard looks comfortable. Kaiser looks comfortable. Korchinski looks comfortable offensively. Um, there's some there's some bumps in the road uh, in his own end, but uh, when he's moving forward, he's very effective. Um, when he's kind of stationary or or moving into the corners and that um, his physical immaturity uh, uh, is still pretty prevalent, and also is just kind of inexperience in his own end. So. Uh, but at least at this point, I do think Korchinski is going to going to open the season with the Hawks, and then they'll kind of play it by ear. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, no. I, uh, I to me, I think the biggest, um, not really surprise, but most positive development is Wyatt Kaiser. I I truly believe um, I, this is something that we talked about a lot last year. Was outside of Korchinski. Who's going to be the guy from the that group of Kaiser, Vlasic, Phillips, um, that isn't just going to be a bottom pair guy? They needed somebody from that group to step up and be a, a top four defenseman within the next couple of years. And at this point, I truly believe that that is going to be Kaiser. And I think he's going to end up being a pretty good defenseman. So... Um, I'm just, every time I watch him, I, I, I'm more and more impressed. So 
So now do you think he makes, or do you think he'll start in the AHL? I think he's going to start in the NHL. Um, uh, if you would have asked me two months ago, I would have said, oh, it'd probably be best to have him in Rockford and, ha- and have him play as basically the number one defenseman down there. That was kind of my expectation at the end of last season. But with the way he's playing and the the way he's approached uh, training camp here, I, I honestly think he could be paired with Jones to open the season as and get essentially top pairing minutes in Chicago. So, um, yeah, I think of of all the guy of all the that group of guys, he's the he's the most NHL ready. And so, yeah, I think he's gonna not just start in Chicago, but it, it would not surprise me if he sticks in Chicago the whole year. So yeah, so just a little refresher for, for everyone. Um, Caleb, um, Seth Jones is still there. Caleb yep. Jones is gone. Uh, yes. Uh, Murphy's still there. Connor Murphy. Mm-hmm. They have Lightsev now, who was part of a trade. He's he's terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's kind of the tank commander now. Yes, he was. That, that was the contract they had to eat. Yeah. And then yeah, um, that was. No, go ahead. Then you have Korchinski, maybe, and mm-hmm. Wyatt Kaiser, and then is there? I'm trying to think who else you would probably Vlasic will be the other guy. So you're gonna have three um, players with. Yeah, I, I think it'll be three young players. It'll be Kaiser, Korchinski, Vlasic, uh, and then three veterans in uh, Jones, Murphy, and Zaitsev. And then uh, Tenorti will probably be the, the seventh guy. Uh, he hasn't played in the preseason. I haven't really heard injury news on him, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be ready for the start of the season. So, um, you know, you probably get Isaac Phillips or somebody um, filling in um, at the start of the year, or they pick up somebody off of waivers before the end of uh, training camp, like they did with Tenorti last year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's something you can look forward to as a Blackhawks fan, though, is there's going to be at least two, but likely three rookie defensemen in the lineup on any given night. And yeah. all you know, all three of those guys have upsides. So yeah, that's it, it'll be fun. <laughs> uh, occasionally ugly, but it'll most nights it'll be fun. For sure. But yeah, no. Zeitz is the guy you're going to try to bury at the sixth defense spot, and you just they have to they have to keep his contract. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I I do think they're going to be less tolerant this year, um, of like just got uh, god awful performance um, from veterans. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously last year they were in full tank mode. Uh, this year they want to develop those young defensemen. And so if Zaitsev is being paired with a rookie defenseman and Zaitsev is not holding up his end of the bargain, I think they might um, you don't you know, to, potentially to, bury Zaitsev in, in Rockford if, yeah, it, if to, it comes to that. You don't want to damage one of your young right. development by being with a guy that's Right. Yeah. It wasn't a big deal last year where, oh, you know, you could just pair somebody with Tenority because if you ruin Tenority, it's not a big, you know, it's not a big deal or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if, you know, it's Vlasic or Kaiser or Korchinski that has to play with Zaitsev, um, yeah, they're, uh, they're not going to be, 
they're not going to put up with the same amount of, they're not going to give them the same kind of rope that they gave guys last year. So uh, it wouldn't shock me if by the, by the start of this, of the season, uh, which should be next Tuesday, uh, they might pick up uh, defensemen off of waivers. And if it's somebody that they feel is better than Zaitsev, then like I said, Zaitsev might get buried or even just plain released. Um, but at least for the time being, I do, I do expect him to start the year and get some playing time, but um, I'd be shocked if he's still around by the middle of the season, unless they just get hit with a lot of injuries and they need a body. Yeah. So now for the goalie situation, obviously Peter Mrazek still going to be there, but you think Soderblom's going to be the backup? With the, what do you think? I, I do. Um, Comesso's not ready yet. And um, Stauber's more of a an AHL guy, at least at this point. So I, I think it's going to be basically a, a 50-50 timeshare between Mrazek and Soderblom. Um, I think they like Soderblom a lot, so they want to start getting him involved and especially to, now they would like it if he took the job basically. I, um what do you think we're gonna hold back? i i think regardless they're still gonna do a 50 50 timeshare because uh soderblom has not played a lot of games the last couple of years he, he is a guy that's gotten hurt a couple of times and there's been a couple of stretches where he got, where he struggled so i don't really think they want him to play more than 40 games okay um, so, you know, the, the, the question becomes though, Mrazek is a guy that has gotten hurt a lot yeah, and it's, right. yeah. It, it, so if my, my expectation would be that Stauber is the guy that comes up and in that case, do they maybe switch to it to, um, Soda Bloom playing two out of three instead of every other sort of thing. But at least while Mrazek is healthy, my guess is they just alternate. And because uh, while the Blackhawks are not in tank mode, they're not, they're, not, they're, they're not really trying to go for it either. They still want to protect their young guys. And I don't think they want to overwork Soderbloom and um, they don't really have another young goalie that's ready to step up. So Mrazek's just going to eat, eat those games essentially. Yep. All right. Now, now we'll move on to what, I'm sure everyone's most excited about. That's the forwards. One forward, I guess, in particular, but um he's gonna be on that line with Taylor Hall and Radish. I don't I I think it's gonna be a revolving door. I, I think that the plan, at least for now, is Taylor Hall is gonna stick with Connor Bedard and Anthony Cio is gonna stick with Reichel on the second line. And then those right wing positions are going to just kind of be a revolving door with whoever seems to have the chemistry at the moment between um, Ryan Donato, Taylor Radish, and Tyler Johnson, um, and Kurashev. So I, I really think it's it's just going to be playing the playing the hot hand, so to speak, and. Um, yeah, the, the, at least at the start of the year, too, it sounds like maybe Donato and Kurashev are going to be yeah. a little dinged up and maybe not start the year. So, yeah. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it's Radish and Johnson. Um, Johnson played with uh, Bedard last night, but, mm-hmm. I, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that that'll stick. Yeah, 
Because that's why I said Radish, too, because I thought he was playing a bit with Bedard during the one game. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they they haven't stuck with the lines throughout any of these preseason games. They've they've definitely mixed it up even within games. I think they want everybody to kind of get a, a taste of working with everybody um, just to kind of see what they have. Uh, and I do expect a lot of, like I said, a lot of revolving doors. I, I, I do think in the bottom six, uh, I do think they like the idea of that veteran line of Dickinson with uh, Perry and, Fel- uh, and Felino. Uh, I think that's going to kind of be their defensive line, the the one that they're going to turn to, uh, you know, with defensive zone draws and, okay. you know, kind of late, late game situations. What did they used to call the checking line back in the day? Uh, yeah, I mean that's. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure they'll come up with a nickname for it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I think they're they're gonna rely pretty heavily on that line um, to kind of protect the other ones because the other three lines are at least at this point expected to have rookie centers mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be bedard with the first line reichel with the second and uh cole gutman's probably going to be the the center for the third slash fourth line however you want to label yeah. um the, the the bottom pair or the bottom the bottom two lines so yeah um other than that uh you know the, there's still going to be a few cannon fodder type uh, fourth line plugs that, that are going to get some time. I, I, you know, especially with uh, a couple of guys that are dinged up. Um, I think you're still going to see Mackenzie Antwis will make the team. Uh, it seems like Boris Kachuk is probably going to make the team. Okay. Um, and I think when everybody's healthy, those guys will probably be the scratches, but yeah, uh, they might, they might be in the lineup early on here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, are there any um, other young guys you think might, you know, make a pretty early appearance in the lineup? Or, I don't know about- uh, it wouldn't shock me if we see Colton Doc. Okay. Um, if, if they if they decide they want a little bit of extra offensive juice while Donato and Kurashev are out, um, you know, if those guys are going to miss a few games, I could see them maybe elevating Colton Doc and letting him get his feet wet in the NHL and then have him drop back down once those guys are healthy. Um, But yeah, beyond that, uh, I wouldn't expect um, pretty much any of the other forwards, young forwards um, that are going to be in Rockford to, to make much of a impression this year in Chicago. I, I, I think if any of them do, it'll be doc. And some of the other players are still a couple, they're going to need a couple more years. Yeah, they're going to need a year or so. I, I mean, even Doc, this is going to be his first year as a pro. Um, so I, I think the plan is for him to get as much top six time in Rockford as humanly possible, but they might just need a body in Chicago and. Uh, you know, if he's playing well and they want to reward him with some time in Chicago, I, th- I would expect him to be the one rookie that gets that time. Otherwise, they're just going to bring up 
you know, somebody like um, Gust, like they did last year, or Joey Anderson, or somebody like that. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So we talked about Bedard, but then the other guy that I'm curious about is um, Reichel. Because he's going to, this is going to be like full go. It's true rookie year. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think he looks stronger uh, and a little quicker and a little more assertive. Um, I mean, I remember talking about this when they drafted him a few years ago. I was like, uh, I, I like his potential. I think he had as much upside as guys that were drafted, you know, 10, 15 picks ahead of him. But he was a guy that needed to add 20, 15, 20 pounds of muscle before he'd be able to play his game at the NHL level. And, you know, it would be how long would that take or if he could even do it. Yeah. Uh, he's finally managed to do that. He's about 15 pounds heavier now. Mm-hmm. And he, he, it, it's showing up in his play. He's not getting knocked off the puck as easily as he was two years ago. Uh, he's, but he's still got this, the same good vision and good speed and creativity. So my expectation is, you know, we get a good 40, maybe 50 points out of him this year. And I think it's encouraging too that that they feel like he's maybe ready to be a center too, because that was yeah they were uh, kind of unsure about that last year. Yeah, at the end of last year, it seemed like uh, they expected him to kind of move to wing in the NHL. But I I think that extra strength that he added in the off season uh, convinced them that hey maybe he he can actually physically hold up uh, in the middle or at least uh, it's so it, you know it's just it gives them another option down the road. Um, in case they decide Naser or more uh, is more uh, suited for the wing. Um, I still think Reichel will eventually move over in favor of one of those guys, but they, you know, it, that doesn't have to be the case anymore. I think, I think Reichel has a shot, a legitimate shot as an NHL center. Well, I, I always think of it as um, like baseball that you draft short guys at shortstop and then you can yep. always you get, you draft the center and you can move them to wing. Yeah, and that's the, the Blackhawks have absolutely been doing that. Um, like two out of every three forwards that they've drafted over the last couple of years have been center. I mean, if you kind of look at their prospect depth depth chart, they have like two or three left wingers and two or three right wingers, and then they've got like ten or twelve centers mm-hmm. that you know would be legitimate prospects. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely been their philosophy, and it'll just kind of be you know, who, who wins out and, you know, Reichel's obviously going to get the, the, the first shot just more or less because he's the only one that's ready right now. But, um, you know, we'll see it, it, next year. He figures to have a little more competition. Um, I guess his Naser will turn pro next year and, and you know, then we'll kind of, kind of see where everything's at. But for this year, like I said, uh, it's the the centers that you kind of want to keep keep an eye on this year. Those that's really the only three young players that are kind of ready to step into the lineup and and be fixtures in the lineup. And that you know, so it's going to be Bedard, Reichel, and Gutman. Other than that, it's you know a veteran laden group of wings. So, all right. So I guess that's we've talked about like the current team there's a couple other notes about other Blackhawks stuff I wanted to talk about um obviously I don't know if we talked about Taves not going to play next year I think we did 
your last podcast? I, I think I think we speculated on it, but I don't think at the time it had been official that he was going to kind of wait and see. So, but yeah, now it is official. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, I think we both kind of discussed this as a possibility that if he was going to play, he'd probably either take a year off or kind of take the first part of the season off and see, see how his body reacts. Cause I, I don't think he wants to go through the drag of an early season. If it means that he's not going to have any energy for the playoffs. So, you know, especially after missing the playoffs so many times over the last few years, I think it's like, Hey, if I'm, if I'm going to actually, um, put my body through this, I want it to be worth it sort of thing. So. And I, my opinion personally is I, I don't think he ever comes back. I think he, he eventually retires, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm fine with it either way. Um, the, these guys tend to not want to give it up, and I understand that. And you know, if he determines a few months from now, or even I mean, he's still young enough where you know, two years from now, if he decides, hey, you know, I'm healthy. Yeah. He could he could lay some back up. Yep. And then of course the other thing is Patrick Kane had hip surgery in the offseason and is unsigned. He's yeah. definitely gonna come back. He had his agent or whatever putting out videos and stuff of him training and stuff, so obviously, but I I'm very curious to see where he goes. Uh I mean the 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 rumor that I've heard the most is Detroit um, to reunite with the Brinkett, uh, which would make some sense. And Detroit is a team that has missed the playoffs for like seven or eight years, something like that. And they're making an effort to break, break that string and, and uh, get back to the postseason. So if they're kind of on the bubble uh, come the trade deadline or whatever time of year, Kane decides he's ready to to make it back. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if uh, he'd be a guy that they would at least pursue. But uh, I mean, Kane's going to have options, uh, and, and you know, and if and if it is just signing for one year, you know, if he's willing to just you know take this year as hey, you know, we'll just sign for one year and then see how healthy I am, see if I make it through the year, and then pursue more of a long-term fit later on, you know, there's going to be a half a dozen teams that would be happy to sign him. So, or, well, I should say happy to sign him and, and have enough cap space to be able to do so at the trade, you know, at the trade deadline or January 1st, whatever, whatever date, um, you know, he makes his move. And um, the other thing, which I thought was kind of a funny because they announced that they're going to retire um, Chris Chelios's number, and there were um, some people that were mad that they're retiring his number and not Seabrook's number. And I just, I have to get off my chest that look, I love Seabrook. He's a great part of those teams, such a great clutch player. But Chris Chelios was a one of the top five defensemen in the NHL when he was on the Blackhawks. He yeah, was in- I mean, he he was the Duncan Keith for the Blackhawks at that time. Yeah. He was the multiple, multiple Norris winner. Um, 
he's the hall of famer. He's one of the top five American born players in history. Chelios is the guy that you retire that for. Now, am I a little bit surprised that they didn't wait another year or two so that they could maybe do a joint type yeah. ceremony with Seabrook? Yeah, a little bit. Um, but they may just decide, hey, let's do Chelios now. Let him truly have, you know, a couple of years to enjoy it, and then we'll we'll deal with Seabrook later. Uh, but I mean, they they they're not going to retire Seabrook's number while he's still technically being paid by the lightning. <laughs> so he's still got, he's still got this year left on his contract. So I think uh, if they end up doing anything with Seabrook next year would be the earliest that it occurs. Yeah. I just like, and then of course there was the people like, well, he turned, he, bet- he betrayed him and went to the Red Wings. I'm like, the uh, get over it. Get yeah. over it. I, I'm so tired of that. Yeah. It's, Chelios is deserving. Let's just do it, get it over with, and there's going to be people that complain, but they'll it'll all get drowned out. Yeah, it's it's like, do I need to remind people what the state of the organization was then that they they weren't going to pay him? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was just it it was ridiculous. The whole thing was ridiculous, and, and and I do understand some of the antagonism towards Chelios. Uh, you know, he did end up playing longer for the Red Wings than he played for the Blackhawks. And, you know, after his playing career ended, he ended up working for the Red Wings in the front office. And, um, you know, there's a couple of the other things, but I just, I, uh, it never really bothered me that much at the time. And whatever amount it did, I've been over it for a decade. I just, I, I don't care. So. I think it probably for like two years, and then I was like, I was fine. Well, you, you know, and, yeah, you and learned then the other, that guy sucked. Like their management sucked. Right. So. Yeah. It, I forgive any of the players that had to deal with uh, Bill Wirtz era stuff. So I'm, I'm not gonna carry any of that over anymore. It's 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 a bygone era. Just. Mm-hmm celebrate the things that we can out of that. And, and along with that, um, with uh, Dougie Wilson making it to the Hall of Fame uh, this year, I, I do wonder if that comes under consideration at some point too, is, you know, do they consider retiring number 24? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I would certainly expect that uh, they would choose to do that on a night that the San Jose Sharks uh, visit. Uh, so that's that's definitely something I think over the next couple of years that uh, is a is a distinct possibility. Um, yeah, that's when I um, protest to get Martin Havlat put in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, hey, I loved Havlat, so uh, I know I know that was an unserious comment, but anytime you want to insert Martin Havlet's name into this podcast, go for it. All right. So I guess now we'll kind of wrap up. Obviously, um, I think we'll be back after the game that you are going to. Yes, I will be in attendance for Bedard's opening night in Pittsburgh. So, yeah. um, 
I kind of have a bit of a travel day the next, the next day. So next, next Wednesday. So we can maybe either record earlier in the day or, um, you know, I'll be later in the week, but yeah, no, I'll, I am very much looking forward to being in attendance and, uh, getting a chance to, to see that. And, you know, of course it'll be against a pretty exciting penguins team too, with, you know, it's still got Crosby and Malkin and added Eric Carlson. So I expect that, that building to be, to be hopping for, you know, to kind of welcome Carlson and, you know, the, the Penguins fans, they understand what Bedard is. I mean, Crosby's one of those guys as well. So they, you know, they, they're, they're going to understand the moment. So I, I, I just think that building is going to be electric that first night. So definitely, definitely something I'm looking forward to seeing. Yep. And I will be looking forward to getting your on-scene report the our next podcast. And yeah, should be fun. I, I haven't broken out a, a Blackhawks jersey in a long, long time, but I'm, I'm considering it for that, that night. Um <laughs> But uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't. I don't really feel like packing a, a rather bulky, uh, yeah, hockey sweater. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see. All right. Well, um, I am sth85 on Twitter. I'm still going to call it Twitter. I don't care. Uh, Michael, you are MJ underscore Ernst. Yeah, you can get the podcast on the. Apple app podcast app and Spotify and hey the season's coming back the Blackhawks have a potentially great player and some other people and it should be fun anyway <laughs>